You're listening to a podcast by Home Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast challenges you, inspires you, and most of all, helps you find home in Jesus. Enjoy the message. You know, we've been in this series, we've been talking about what does it mean to abide in Christ, to abide in Christ. It's everything. Hopefully we've seen that by now. But today we're going to talk about that just a little bit more. Specifically, as we're looking at the last part of this, and this is a very important one, we're talking about, it's part number four, we're talking about how to look like Jesus. How do we look like Jesus? How do we look like him? You know, in the, in the previous weeks, we've, we've talked about a few different things. We talked about what it means to, to live like Jesus, right? To live like Jesus is to serve like him. He lived to serve other people with other people in mind. To love like Jesus is to, to give, right? God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave his son. And our vision for, for home church is simple, right? We want to help people live, love, and look like Jesus. And it comes from John 15. Let me remind us of it. Here's just a few verses from that passage. John 15, starting in verse 7, it says, If you abide in me, this is Jesus talking, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. What an amazing promise. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Everyone say that. Say much fruit. Come on, say it like you mean it. Much fruit. That you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. We're not just out here doing our own thing, but what are we doing? We're producing the fruit of Jesus. It's Christ-likeness. It's the, the fruit of the Spirit in us that we're producing to other people. But specifically today, I want to talk about what does it mean to look like Jesus. The first thing we have to realize is this, and I don't think that many people truly grasp this. And if you're taking notes, this is point number one. It's simply this. God desires you to look like Jesus. He wants you to look like Jesus. It's not just something that he's hopeful. No, he wants you to what? Grow up into him, into the image and the likeness of Jesus. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean physically that we are looking like Jesus, right? But it is a transformation from the inside out, from my spirit, which is his spirit in me, transforming me, pruning me, cutting me, and cutting things out of my life that need to be cut out so that I can act more like him, walk more like him, and live more like him. Let's look at a few verses here. Romans 8.29 says this, this is, this is God speaking of, of you and me. It says this, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined, predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his Son. When he saw you put your faith in Jesus, way back before you were even alive, he said, Man, I want to tra- conform and transform them into the image of Jesus. That's what he sees. Let's look at another one. 2 Corinthians 3.18 It says, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us, what, more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You see what he wants to do? He he sees you, and all he sees is unlimited potential. He says, oh, man, I have so much for them to do. I have so much that I want to do in their life, through their life. He wants to transform us. Let's look at another one. Romans 12, 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What's he say? Look, we just read two verses ago. It said, he wants to conform you to his image. 
So as a believer, what should I be doing? I shouldn't be conformed to, I shouldn't look like the world around me. I'm just a morally good person, right? That's a nice guy. I shouldn't be conformed to the world. What does the world believe? What's the world doing right now? What's the world saying right now? He says, no, he wants to transform you by renewing our mind. When I renew my mind daily in his word, he wants to transform me, what? Into being more like him. Why? What am I being transformed by? Jesus, the word of God, the living word of God. He wants to transform you by the renewing of your mind. Let's look at another one. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, look, all things have become new. Not some things. Not, I hope those things become new. All things have become new. New creation. I'm not a work in progress. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm not a work in progress. God has more for me than that. The world says, ah, you'll get there someday. Ah, I'll put my faith in what God's word says. All things have become new. I'm dead to that, alive in Christ. We're going to look at this a little bit more today. This is so good. This is so important. But here's the, here's the thing I want us to see. There's two things. When it comes to looking like Jesus that are so specific and it's so practical and obvious in God's word, but it has refreshed me so much to look at these. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. That God desires you to look like Jesus in power, number one. Power. And what we're going to talk about, some of the things we're talking about today, it's, it, if I'm being honest, it can be it kind of hard to find teaching on some of these topics in today's world. You can go back in the 90s and 80s and you can find a lot of teaching when it comes to the power of God at work in your life or God wanting to use you to display his power to other people. But we're going to look at a few verses today where I can just want to show you, look, when it comes to looking like Jesus, one of the most important ways that we do that is by being a channel for his power to be used for other people. His power and his authority. God desires you to look like Jesus because you're walking in his power and in his authority that he's given you. All right, let's look at a few verses here. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, I got a lot of verses for you today. It says this, behold, this is Jesus talking, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Now we're not talking about snakes and bugs, right? What are we talking about? We're talking about spiritual, that's a, that's a way of Jesus talking about a spiritual demonic enemy serpents, scorpions. All through scripture we see that whenever that's referenced, it's talking about demonic things, spiritual enemy. He says, I give you the authority to trample on them, to stomp them, and look at this, over all the power of the enemy. Everybody say all. All the power. Not some of the power. Not the little stuff the enemy throws at you. What does he say? All the power of the enemy. And here's a little little ad at the end here. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. When I know God's word and I believe God's word, it's pretty tough to live in fear. Amen? When I see these verses, nothing shall by any means hurt you. I can walk in confidence today. Doesn't mean I walk in stupidity, right? Doesn't mean if I'm, if I'm prone to... Um, Let's say I'm allergic to poison ivy. doesn't mean I'm going to go roll in some poison ivy to test God. No, that's foolishness. But I walk in confidence 
knowing that nothing that, come, that may come my way doesn't mean the attack won't come. But look, hey, nothing shall by any means hurt you. And if it does show up, what do I have? I have authority. I give you authority to trample it. And over all the power, not some, all. Let's look at Mark 16, 17 through 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. He wants to give you a heavenly prayer language. They will take up serpents. Once again, what? Does this mean that I got a bunch of caged snakes up here that we're all going to pass around? Okay, it doesn't mean that. If, if you want to, you can look up some of that stuff on YouTube. Okay, it gets a little crazy. That's not what it's talking about. Let's just make that clear. We're not going to have snakes here at Abide Church. He's talking about what? Serpents, scorpions. He's talking about the spiritual enemy once again. You will take up. That means if I see it lingering, what do I do? I, I bind that thing. That's what it means. Take up. Whatever you bind on her here will be bound in heaven. I bind it and I deal with it. You will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, here we go again, it will by no means hurt them. Can I just make a side note here? If I accidentally drink something deadly, the promise of Jesus is it cannot hurt you. In the world that we live in, I'm going to be smart. I'm not going to be foolish. But I'm going to walk. And if I come into contact with COVID-19 or some virus that's out there, what's God's word of promise? I may come into contact with it, but the virus has to die, not me. The virus has to die, not me. It can't touch me. It cannot hurt me. It doesn't mean it won't try to come knocking, right? But when it does, where's my faith? I need to know this, believe it, before it ever comes knocking. Because once it comes knocking, I'm trying to scramble. What was that verse again that I need to be standing on? No, you need to be prepared for battle. He wants you to look like Jesus with power, right? It will by no means hurt you. The last one, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The promise of God. But what's the, what's the key part here? These signs follow those that believe. How do I believe? I have to abide. What's abiding? Going back to the very first time we talked about this, abiding is remaining as one with Jesus. And that's daily. It's not, oh, I, I, I made Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm good. I'm abiding every day. No, it's every day. Throughout your day. Keeping him. My eyes fixed on him. Am I connected to him? Am I in his word? Am I hearing from him? Am I reading his word to hear from him, not just to say, I read a chapter today. Maybe don't stop reading until you hear from him. That's abiding. Jesus said these signs will follow those that believe, right? All of these. But what do these signs look like? This is Jesus. This is the life of Jesus. Cast out demons, bind serpents. If, if you touch anything deadly, it will by no means hurt you. Like lay hands on the sick, they will recover. But then Jesus takes it and he makes it so personal in John 14, 12 through 14. And this is where the promise of God comes into place in our lives when it comes to looking like Jesus in power, and it's this. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes, there it is again, believes in me, the works that I do, what he will do also. Amen, right? <laughs> and greater works than these he will do. Hold up. <laughs> He will do what I've done, and they're going to advance the kingdom even greater. 
wow. That's a promise for you and for me. It doesn't just fall on our lap, though. What's the key part? In all of this, you're going to see it. Believing and abiding. They're so closely connected. It's, it's tough for me to believe if I'm not abiding because abiding is relationship. Abiding is I get to know you more and more and more. That's what a good marriage is. Hey, we're remaining as one. If I stop talking to my spouse and we don't talk for a day and we don't talk for a week and it's been a month before we've said anything to each other and, oh, man, you know what? I actually need them to do something for me, go pick up whatever. Hey, could you go do that for me? That's a bad relationship, but that's what many Christians do with God. I go a day, ah, I go a week, ah, oh, God, I need you to help me pay that bill. Oh, or somebody got sick, God, I need you to, what was that verse again? I need your healing power. You see how backwards it is? That's not abiding. And that's why it's tough to believe, to see these promises. They're, it's all tied together, but it's simple. Believing and abiding are not difficult things. But I've got to be disciplined to do it. I've got to be disciplined to do it, just like in a good marriage. I, I am, it's not a burden for me to tell my, my precious wife, I love you. Thank you for, your, like, for being so good, for taking care of me. That's easy for me. I just get emotional just doing it right now. That's how it is with Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. And when we abide, it makes it easy to believe. It makes it easy to believe. The greater works he will do because, what does he say? Because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Here we go. And then he, he just says it again. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Don't you love Jesus? He, he's like, I think you missed it. Let me say it again, okay, in a shorter version. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, some people take this out of context, and they run with it, right? Well, I want a, I want a million dollars uh, today, you know, tucked under, a check for a million dollars tucked under my windshield when I walk out. That's not what he's talking about here. Let me show you what he's talking about. I saw this in my uh, commentary, and I adjusted it a little bit from Jack W. Hayford, and he said this. We can put that quote up there. He said, prayer offered in the name of Jesus in alignment with God's revealed nature and purpose has the full weight of his authority behind it. Prayer Offered in the name of Jesus. When I pray, why do I pray in the name of Jesus? Well, that's how you're supposed to pray. You're supposed to end it with in Jesus' name. No, you're missing it if that's what you think. No, when I pray in the name of Jesus, I don't do it because I'm supposed to. I do it because mountains move when I pray in the name of Jesus. That's why I pray in the name of Jesus. And when I pray in alignment with God's revealed nature and purpose, what is that? His word. Not a mystery. What? Well, God's will is a mystery. We've got to figure it out. It's right here. His revealed nature and purpose. When I do that, I have the full weight of his authority. It's not about me, but I've made myself a clear channel for him to use now. And his authority works through me to make mountains move and to see things change. Why? So then I can ask anything in his name and he will do it. See how we have overcomplicated this? Well, yeah, but, right? Even when I was preparing this, and I wrote some of this, the back of my mind, the devil, my, my natural instinct. Yeah, but let's talk about that for a second. 
Maybe we need to stop talking about it for a second and just take it and say, I believe your word, Jesus. And I'm going to believe it until I see it come to pass in my life. And watch what God does. Not add the yeah buts. Let's see what he does. Let's see what he will do. Not us. What will he do? Let's have the faith to believe it. Let's believe it. God desires you to look like Jesus because you're walking in power. You're walking in authority. But the question is, where does the power come from? Right? It's not something that just falls into your lap. It's something, though, that we have access to, that we have access to. Let's look at Acts 1.8. But you, this is Jesus talking, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This verse tells me this, that you cannot, you cannot carry out the mission of God without Holy Spirit power. That's what Jesus said right here. When you receive power, then you can be witnesses. Without power, I'm not a proper witness. I cannot carry out the mission of God without Holy Spirit power. I cannot properly make disciples biblically. I cannot properly build a church, further the kingdom, be the local body of, of Christ in a local church without the power of the Holy Spirit active. We cannot see the sick healed, the addicted set free, or the people trapped in sin find righteousness without Holy Spirit power. We got to see it. We got to lean into it. We can't neglect it. Many times it's so easy to, ah, I don't know. I've seen some weird stuff. I've been, anybody ever been trapped in some weird services with Holy Spirit stuff going on, right? I don't know, man. It was so weird. I just don't feel like that's, ah. What, not, let's set aside what happened. What does God's word say? And let's go back to that and lean into that. Not life experience. Let's go back to that and see. And most of all, I cannot look like Jesus without Holy Spirit power. It's not my power. I need Holy Spirit power alive in my life. God has, uh, he's made available to each and every believer supernatural power to overcome the world and to live a victorious, transformed life. It's available. But it's like Christmas morning and a present under the Christmas tree. Salvation comes with a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's, I get to go to heaven, but there's also power under there and, and healing under there and and a lot of other things under there that many times we just don't address. We settle for one, but God says, I have the whole kingdom for you if you'll go open it. If you'll go open it. And that's our part. He's not going to, if you know anything about God, he'll never force it on you. He's not going to force you to do anything. That's not a relationship. He says, I love you so much. I've already bought all this stuff. Jesus paid the price for everything in the kingdom for you. How many do you want to open? Someday you're going to see all these when you get to heaven. How many do you want to open up here? That's up to you. It's available. It's available. Specifically, though, this power comes from the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about. The baptism in the Holy Spirit and the personal prayer language, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit that comes along with it. That comes along with it. Now, if, if if you're in here and maybe you have questions about that or you're listening to this and you have questions about that, a few months ago we did a series on the Holy Spirit where we talk about some of these things very specifically. 
And if you have questions, I would encourage you to go back, listen to that series on our podcast. Let's go to abidechurch.com and go to, to listen, and you can listen to it there. Listen back to it. Specifically, if you just have questions about the prayer language, go to one. It's called The Language, right? We made it easy to find. Holy Spirit, part whatever, The Language. Go there, listen to it. See what God's Word says, and don't take my word for it, as always. Go to God's Word after that, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand. And if you're in here and you may say, Pastor Dan, I don't know if I've ever officially done that. I don't know if I've ever received that baptism. I don't know if I've ever prayed in the Spirit, but you have questions, or maybe you'd like to, you would like to receive that today. We'll be up here. I'll have, I'll, myself will be up here. We'll have some prayer uh, people up here. We would love to pray with you today if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. It's not something we got to, it's not some special occasion. We can do it today, okay? God wants it for you that bad that we can do it today. If you're in a spot where you say, Pastor Dan, I just, I just have some questions and I would love for someone to call me and just to talk. I want to talk about it and just see if I can understand better. One of these connect cards at the very bottom, it says, I would like more info about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Check that. Put your phone number on here, your email. We'll reach out to you. Like I said, this is too important for us to breeze past. Why? Because we can't carry out the mission according to Jesus. I can't be a proper witness. I can't carry out even the Great Commission without power from the Holy Spirit. I've got to have it. I have to have it. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor Dan, I did that at one time. But maybe you can't remember the last time you prayed in the Spirit. Maybe it's been dormant for a little bit. Or maybe just do it whenever, ah, whenever it's like in service sometime. I would encourage you to do it every day. Do it every day. Just try it. Try it for a week. I'm going to pray in the Spirit while I'm driving in the car every day this week. I promise you, see what God will do. The refreshing that will come. Pray in the Spirit out loud where you can hear yourself. You want to talk? God will move. Last night when we were driving in that storm, I was praying in the Spirit. And can I tell you, peace came from me hearing myself pray in the Spirit. My mind was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just trying you know, right, not to go in the ditch. But my spirit was like, that's that peace we need. We want more of that. And my spirit was taking it in. And what was I doing? I was just from God right to my spirit. I need that. I need that in my life. Is there an attack? Is there a, is there a battle you're facing from the enemy that you need to deal with today with power and with authority? It's found in the Holy Spirit. Lean into it. And like I said, we'll be up here. I'll love to answer any questions you have at the very end here. The last thing I'll leave you with is this. God's desire is for you to look like Jesus in purity. Number one, in power. Number two, in purity. In holiness. In righteousness. That's his desire for you. And if I can be honest, I talk to too many Christians that they're okay with having sin in their life. And they don't just come out and say that, but their conversations that we have do, or the actions in their life, it, it says that. Ah, it's okay. I've heard this. I've said this. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I've heard that. I understand the heart behind even what I was trying to say when I've said that in the past. But can I challenge us to, to stop saying that? And if I can just, I don't want to step on your toes too much, but can I just say this? Don't dishonor the Spirit of God by saying that. 
I know that's heavy, and I know that I know that's I know that's tough, okay? But don't dishonor the spirit of God by saying, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Because when we say that without even knowing it, we put all this emphasis on half of the gospel. And we put all this emphasis on who you were were, not where you're going or who you are. Here's a better way to say it. I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner, but I've been saved by grace. And now I am a saint with the spirit of the living God dwelling on the inside of me. That's how I say it. I'm not a sinner. I was. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. That's not my identity. The devil would love for you to say, you're just a sinner. Barely make it in this life. That's not what God's word says. I was a sinner, but I've been saved by grace. And now I'm a saint with the spirit of the living God dwelling on the inside of me. You were a sinner, but God never intended you to stay there. Never. Never. Don't settle for it. Too many times, here's what happens. We want to live pure. We want to live holy. I want to live righteous. And my focus is, all right, today, I am not going to sin. I'm not going to sin today. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to do that thing that I know is wrong. I'm not going to do that thing that I've been doing for a while. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Ah, I did it. Messed up. Man, all right, tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm not going to sin. Our focus is all wrong. You know, when I was in college, um, I got a degree in criminal justice. And in this little, this, this course that we took, we got to do some, some, like a little mini police academy. Not anything very strenuous, but we did some cool stuff. And one of the weeks, we, we spent 40 hours um, in a, dri- a defensive driving course down in Oklahoma City. So we got to, like, we got to speed around. There's a track we got to go through, obstacle courses. We got at the very end, we got to do a little mock police chase, right? That was, it was fun. But one of the first things they told us, and this rocked my world as they said this, they said, when you're driving the car, whatever you're looking at is what you're going to hit. So you're driving. They say, all these people are driving. I'm not going to hit that cone right there. Don't hit the cone. Don't hit the cone. Otherwise, I'm, I, I, I'm disqualified for the track, right? I got to start over. I failed. Don't hit the cone. Don't hit the cone. Ah, I hit the cone. Man, I was looking at the cone. Or this one time that you're going to come through this spot, and if you hit it just right, there's two little, there's a little S curve, and you don't have to turn the wheel very much, right? I can make it, but I'm driving through, and I can see the edge of the road. Don't go off the, don't drop a tire, otherwise you're disqualified. Don't drop, don't drop a tire. Look the whole time, bah, dropped a tire. Come on. You're going to hit what you look at. They said, don't look at what you're trying to miss. They said, look where you want to go. Look where you want to go. And I can't tell you, just a few days ago I did this. I think we were talking about this in the car. And I'm just trying to get out of a parking lot, but I'm trying not to hit this curb in front of me. And so I literally just turned my head all as far over as I can look, and I just go. And I didn't hit the curb. I should have hit the curb. I don't know how it works, but look where you want to go, okay? The physics don't line up, but it works. Look where you want to go. Don't look at what you're trying to miss. My parents can attest to this. When they were teaching me to drive when I was 15, 16, if there was a pothole in the street, I would hit the pothole. 
Okay, guaranteed. Every time we're going, we didn't have a big car either, right? When you hit the pothole, you hit the pothole, right? I'm driving. All right, it's a pothole coming up, so I see it. I'm trying to straddle it. I don't know where my tires are. You hit it. I hit the pothole. What are you doing? I don't know. I was trying not to hit it. Why? I was looking at the pothole. This is what we do with sin. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do that thing. I'm not going to... There's been tension at home, and I'm not going to speak ill of my spouse. I'm going to treat them nice today. I'm not going to say anything bad. I'm not going to say anything negative about behind their back. I'm going to speak life over them. And oh, you, you lazy bum, right? And then it comes out, ah, I shouldn't have done that. I'm not going to gossip today. I'm not going to lust today. I try to live pure. It's not how it works. Let's look at God's word. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us. What's he say? Don't look at the weights. Don't look at the sin because it will weigh you down. What's he say? Set those aside. Get your focus off of them. Keep moving. Well, how, How do I lay aside the weight? How do I get free from the sin that ensnares us? He says, let us run with endurance. The race that's set before us. How? looking unto Jesus. Look where you want to go, not what you're trying to stop doing. Look to Jesus. He is the author, he is the finisher of our faith, who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of God. I'm looking where I want to go, Jesus. Let me leave you with this, Romans, Romans 6. It says this, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. So the question is, look, can I live, can I live sinless then? Can I live perfect? Let's read God's word. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Oh, look at this. You were dead. Were. I was a sinner. But now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Be careful, though, because I can get religious over here and say, I'm free under the grace of God. I don't have to abide by the law. I can do whatever I want. God's going to forgive me, right? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I can live however I want to live. Let's just keep reading and see what what God's word says about that. Verse 15. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not, right? What's he say? Duh, what are we thinking? No, no, of course not. That makes no sense. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Whoa. I'm a slave to what I choose to obey. I choose. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once, here we go again, you were slaves. You were slaves to sin, but now 
wholeheartedly you obey this teaching we have given. Now you are free from the slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. May I stumble from time to time? Maybe. But that's not my focus and that's not my identity. I was a sinner, never, never meant to stay there. I don't look at what I'm trying not to do. I look at where I'm going and that's to Jesus, the author, the finisher. Why is it important to look like Jesus in power and in purity? Because it's this, the Christian life is not about you. I don't want to burst your bubble today, but I just got to tell you this. The Christian life is not about you. We're called to mature in the faith and then lead others into maturity as well. Mature in the faith, then lead others into maturity. Two last verses for you here and we'll pray. First John 2.10, he who loves his brother abides in the light. Who's the light? Jesus. Jesus is the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. The New Living says he does not cause others to stumble. If I say I abide in Jesus, I live above reproach, blameless. Why? Because it's not about me. It doesn't matter. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. It may not be sin for me, but is it for sin for somebody that's looking up to me? I don't need to be doing it. If I'm abiding, there's no cause for stumbling. Matthew 18, 6. What's the big deal? If someone else stumbles, that's their fault, right? It's their choice. It's not my life. It's their choice. Jesus said, but whoever causes one of these little ones, what's that? Someone that's growing up, maturing. It can mean kids. It can mean somebody that's 55 years old, but they just received Jesus. They're young in the faith. They're looking. They're a little one. Anyone that causes a little one who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and for him to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Right? I'm not going to print that and post it on my wall in my living room, okay? But that's a good verse to know. If I'm maturing in the faith, if I'm abiding and believing, I'm living in a way that anyone that's following after me, and there should be someone following after me, they don't have any cause for stumbling. I'm not leading them into temptation. I'm not causing them to trip. I'm not causing them to stumble. This is why we have an honor code for all of our volunteers, our 18 members. It's not so you will live by our rules, right? Well, Pastor Dan's got a list of rules we got to follow. That's not it. It's an invitation. The honor code for our volunteers is an invitation for you to go to another level spiritually. It's saying, hey, you're maturing in the faith. Let's go. We're going to ask you to do some things, and we'll show you in God's word why we're going to ask you to do some things. We're inviting you to go to another level. Why? Because our world needs us to go to another level spiritually. Our world needs people who walk in supernatural power, who walk in supernatural purity right now in this age. The world needs it. They're desperate for it. And it's our call. It's our job. We got to suit up. We got to go for it. To look like Jesus is to walk in power, his power, and in purity, his righteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you for, thank you for your word. God, thank you that your Holy Spirit is so good. He's the perfect helper for us. And God, today, as we try to, to lean into you, as we abide in you, as we believe your word above everything else, we thank you that this week we walk in power.
power, Holy Spirit power. We walk in purity and in holiness and in righteousness, God. And as we go, people will look and they say, man, there's something different. And it's just Jesus. It's just you working through us. It's your power working through us to heal and to set free. It's your power working through us to live free from sin and temptation. We live free because we have found the truth. It's found in you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Home Church Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out homechurchtulsa.com.